0: to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the names of the children of Israel, as we pick up in Exodus chapter 1, verse
1: 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Exodus uh, chapter 1, as we begin the book of Exodus. The word now could very well read and, as far as the Hebrew is concerned. For the book of Exodus is just a continuation of Genesis. The last verse of Genesis, so Joseph died being 110 years old, and they embalmed him and put him in a coffin in Egypt. Now, these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. Every man and his household that came with Jacob. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. And all of the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls, for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died, and all his brethren And that generation. So we can see how the first part of chapter 1 of Exodus is really just the continuation of the book of Genesis. Again, written by Moses. It is interesting that the five books of Moses comprise almost one-seventh of the entire Bible. And that... They comprise almost as much as two-thirds of the New Testament. Now, if God devotes one-seventh of the book to one particular period of history and study, it evidently is basic and foundational and God wants us to really know it and understand it. So we have now the names of the sons of Jacob who came down With Jacob they came down with their families into Egypt. Seventy souls, for Joseph was already there with his two sons. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty and the land was filled with them. Probably an understatement. Uh, children of Israel fruitful, increased abundantly, multiplied, waxed, exceeding mighty, the Lamb was filled with them. In other words, they're trying to tell you there's a population explosion among the Jews at that time. And indeed, there must have been. For the 70 souls that were there, about 300 years after Joseph's death, when they made the Exodus out of Israel, At that time there were 600,000 adult males over the age of 21. So you see when it says multiplied exceedingly and uh, all, that's exactly what they were doing. They were doubling their population about every 25 years. Now that's just about what's happening in the world today. The world's population has begun to Double just about every twenty-five years now, so they were at a state of a, a stage of population explosion, about what we're experiencing now—a doubling about every twenty-five years. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph, and he said unto his people, "Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier." Than we, Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply and it come to pass that when there falls out another war, they will join also unto our enemies and fight against us and then get out of the land. Now the Pharaoh actually was fearful of their leaving the land. And he, he felt that if another war would take place, that they would take advantage of it, fight with the enemies, and then leave the land. And so in order to thwart this, Pharaoh set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for the Pharaoh the treasure cities of Python and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar, brick, and all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. So they really began to afflict them, to oppress them, to lay upon them heavy burdens, to make life rather hard and miserable for them by inflicting heavy slave labor upon them. Everything they did, they had to do it with rigor. Now, it is interesting that under these conditions, the children of Israel continued to multiply and grow. Probably one of the greatest weakening things that can happen to a nation is prosperity. Nations seem to become strong and grow under adversity. The same seems to be true of the church. In the early history of the church, when the church was going through such severe persecution by the Roman government, the church was growing by leaps and bounds. Tremendous growth in the early church. When the church began to be prosperous, Christianity began to be an accepted religion, almost a state religion. In fact, in many areas it did become the state religion, and in all of those areas the church became weak. Prosperity has a tendency of softening people. Whereas adversity has a tendency of doing the opposite, making a people strong. So the Pharaoh, in his endeavor to weaken them by the heavy labor and the rigorous labor, working with bricks and stones and really pushing heavy burdens on them, did not have the desired effect of weakening them, but actually just made them so much stronger. They really all got in tremendous condition. And the king of Egypt spake with the Hebrew midwives. The name of one was Shephrah, and the name of the other was Puah. And he said, when you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and you see them upon the stools, if it's a son, kill him. But if it's a daughter, let her live. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have you done this thing, and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto the Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively, and they are delivered before we ever got to them. Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast him into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. So uh, the Pharaoh, first of all, sought to cut off the male children by ordering the midwives to kill them the moment they were born. When that failed, then he gave a general order to just take the boy babies and cast them into the river. Save the girl babies, that they, of course, might be servants and slaves. There is a problem here of of the obvious lie of the midwives. When the pharaoh called them on the carpet, how come you haven't fulfilled my order? They said, oh, these women are just so... Lively before we can get to them, the babies are already born. They're not like these Egyptian women who uh, have a life of ease and leisure. Now this, of course, could be true. It seems that uh, where women are forced into hard labor and all, their, their body condition becomes such that they can have a baby and go back to work out in, in New Guinea. Where the ladies do so much of the farming and so much of the work. They'll have their baby and, and, and they'll go right, they'll strap it on their back and go back out and work again in the field. And uh, so it, <laughs> I know that some of you women think, oh no, you know. And uh, you remember how it was uh, when you had your baby, but you're just softies, that's all. And uh, we like you that way. It's nothing against you at all. I wouldn't want you to be muscular and all like those women in New Guinea. And so uh, it is very possible that this was not a lie, but some look upon it as a lie. Whether or not it was, I don't know. But if it were a lie that they were telling to the Pharaoh, then indeed, how is it that God blessed them? I don't have any answer. sorry to disappoint you, but I don't know everything. And and, and those are, you know, that's one of those difficult things. I don't understand it. I don't know. All I know is that's what it says. God blessed them. God dealt well with them. There went a man of the house of Levi, and he took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him for three months. The word goodly is beautiful. So this woman had a beautiful little boy and she just couldn't bring herself to throwing him in the river. Now that was the order of the Pharaoh. But he was such a beautiful little boy and of course what mother could really just throw her son into the river. And so she hid him for three months. And when she could no longer hide him, She took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch, with tar, and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's bank. So in other words, she was fulfilling, cast the child in the river, but she just fixed a little basket and (laughs) waterproofed it so that she put him in the river, but in the basket. And uh, his sister stood afar off to find out what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side, and when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she opened it and saw the child, and behold, the baby cried. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. So we see the beautiful story of God's preservation. The child was placed in this little waterproof basket there in the river. His sister stayed back in sort of the bushes to watch the basket to see what happened. Here the Pharaoh's daughter came down to take her bath and. They saw the basket, and she sent one of her maidens out to get the thing and find out, you know, curiosity, and she opened it up, and just at that time, little Moses started crying, and her heart was touched. She said, oh, it's one of the Hebrews' children. So Moses' sister came running up, Miriam, who we will learn about more later. And she said to Pharaoh's daughter, Do you want me to get a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? Now, that was a very common thing in those days, uh, wet nursing. And uh, so you you get a woman uh, to just wet nurse your child for you. And so that's what Miriam is offering to do, get a woman to nurse the child. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And so the maid went and called the child's mother, Moses' mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse it for me and I will give you wages. And so the woman took took the child and nursed it and the child grew and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son and she called his name Moses, which means to be taken out of the water because I drew him out of the water. So Interesting way that God has of working. Moses was able to grow up at home during the early years where he received the strong inculcating of the Hebrew traditions, imbued with the sense of a nation of destiny. And certainly is a tremendous example of what the proverb declares, if you train up a child in the way he shall go, when he is old he will not depart from it. Because in those early formation years, Moses had received such a strong foundation that it was strong enough that he was able to withstand all of the pressures of the many years of the education within the Egyptian schools. Don't underestimate the value of those early years. It is said that the Jewish mothers, from the time the baby was first cradled in their arms, would begin to whisper in their ears, Jehovah is God. I think for some of you mothers, one of the greatest things you can do is just whisper in your children's ears, Jesus loves you. Paul wrote to Timothy and spoke of how from a youth he was taught in the scriptures by his godly mother and grandmother. What a heritage. I thank God that I had a similar kind of a heritage from my youth taught in the scriptures by my mother. I didn't have the normal Goldilocks and the three pig (laughs) bedtime stories. I wasn't frightened by those horror tales. Imagine the the, the wolf eating up your grandmother, you know. (laughs) And the woodsman coming and chopping the wolf. What, and so go to sleep now, honey. I can't quite understand our mentality, you know, in, in, in some of the stories that we call bedtime stories. Even the Rockaby baby. <laughs> On the treetop. <laughs> when the wind blows, the cradle will rock, and when the bough breaks, the cradle will fall. Poor child. How are we marking our children? My parents were wiser than to fill me with that garbage. And so I grew up knowing how God would always take care of his children. How God delivered the giant unto the hands of David. I knew all about Moses and the bulrushes and God's delivering power. I knew about God's deliverance from the lion's den. I knew that no matter what would happen, God would be with me and protect me and shelter me. My mother used to follow me around the yard while I was playing ball or swinging or whatever and just giving me scriptures, making me repeat them, helping me to memorize them, filling me with the knowledge of the Word of God. Those early years are important years. Even before you think your child can understand, begin its education and training. In the very first few months, it is so important that their brain be stimulated because all of these n- little neuron connections are being made back there. and. They are being made according to the stimulus that the child receives. And so that's why they say have mobiles in the crib and, and colors that will move and, and all kinds of action to stimulate the development of the connections there during that crucial time because their future mental capacities will be directly proportionate to the number of connections that are made in those early months. And so Moses' mother did an excellent job, but God even saw she got paid for it. (laughs) I like the way the Lord operates. And so rather than losing a son, she gained a son and also had wages as she nursed him. And then she brought him into the Pharaoh's court and presented him. And then he was schooled. In Egypt now Hebrews tells us it was by faith that she put that little ark in the river by faith she refused to obey the Pharaoh's order but built a little ark and placed the child in it and by faith Moses when he came to age refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter or to identify himself with the Egyptians. But he identified himself with the people of God. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter in order that he might enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. For he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. That shows you that there was such a strong background in Moses. Now, not only a strong background, but a sense of destiny and God's purpose for these people was instilled into Moses.
0: We'll return with more of our verse by verse Bible study in the book of Exodus on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Exodus 1 through 2 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription.
1: keep you in the love of Jesus Christ. May you feed this week upon the Word. May the Lord just open up your hearts to the understanding of His truth and cause you to grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May He give you just a beautiful, blessed week, walking in fellowship with Him in Jesus' name.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Through the course of the years, you, our radio listeners, have provided us with valuable feedback as to what has impacted you the most, or what has moved you spiritually in your walk with God.
1: So it's with great pleasure that The Word for Today is pleased to offer you a collection of all-time favorites entitled Pastor Chuck Smith's Most Requested Bible Studies. These messages were selected from thousands of studies that were recorded live at Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa over the past 40 years. They represent the very best Bible studies by Pastor Chuck Smith. Every message is dynamic and filled with rich insights as Pastor Chuck expounds upon relevant issues on a variety of topics related to the Christian faith. This series will strengthen and inspire you to diligently study the Word of God and apply it to your life. You can order a copy of Pastor Chuck's most requested Bible studies available on MP3 by calling The Word for Today at 1-800-272-9673 or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.